0: I've had many faces, many lives. And there's one life I've tried very hard to forget. I'm looking for the Doctor. Well, you've certainly come to the right place. And welcome back to the Cloister Bell Podcast, a weekly Doctor Who podcast hosted by me and Liam. Hello. Hi there. Hi. And this week we're talking about the Day of the Doctor.
1: <laughs> it's hard to believe it's been five years. I know it's insane. It, it, it's one of those things. That it does feel like it was. It feels like it was only yesterday.
0: Mm. Yeah. Um, likewise, with. Rose in
1: 2005, that doesn't seem that long ago. I know what you mean. I, I think for me, I'm, I, I'm aware more of the passing of, of Rose because um, I mean, I remember I was in sixth form at the time and what's happened since then. Yeah. Um, but in terms of Day of the Doctor, that, that one feels unreal because we're sort of halfway between the 50th and the 60th anniversary now.
0: Yeah. It's scary. It's going to get to the point where we've had the majority of our life we've had New Doctor Who than not had it.
1: Yeah, that's true. The bit that um, I think will mark the time when we are officially old though is that when we finally get a Doctor who's cast uh, who's younger than we are mm-hmm. at the time of casting because right, that hasn't okay. happened for us yet. No. Uh, but I think it's, gonna, it's come to the point uh, I mean we're still very young we're still in our early 30s yeah. But I think there's a, there's a point when you start to feel you know a bit a bit mentality. I mean, I've got a heck of a lot of grey hair for someone who's who's, <laughs> who's only thirty one. Um, but yeah, I think the, I think the moment when a doctor gets cast and they're younger than we are, it's just like, oh, right, I'm officially old now.
0: That's strange because they'll be they'll have be been raised on new doctors.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah.
0: And like everyone who's an older generation knows that the new series owes a lot to the classic series, mm-hmm. uh, and they they are, are aware of that, but obviously newer fans were raised on the new show.
1: I mean, what's weird is sort of, um, I got into Doctor Who when it was 30 years old, and now mm. we're in our early 30s, if we're just mocking it in terms of Doctor Who. Mm. Yeah. But then, I mean, you, you can compare other things. I mean, we're older than Google and YouTube and all the rest of it by quite some margin. YouTube still seems quite new. That was just 2007. Yeah, yeah.
0: That's, that's crazy, isn't it?
1: Uh-huh. And so is Facebook. But in terms of uh, popular culture, I think another way to say, I'm old enough to remember when The Simpsons was good. <laughs> that's how old I am. It really was good, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It's hard to believe now.
0: Hard to believe it's still gone. Oh, I know.
1: It should have died a long time ago. mm,
0: I know. (laughs) So, um, (laughs) is there any news this week that you've picked up on? No?
1: Um, not recently. I mean, there's a couple of uh, tidbits that have that have come out. So Olivia Coleman, for example, who's a incredibly well known uh, actress now, um, she appeared in Matt Smith's first Doctor Who story, The Eleventh Hour, and Stephen Moffat has has um, because Olivia Coleman has been Oscar nominated for her performance as Queen Anne in The Favorite. Um, Stephen Moffat uh, did an interview recently where he said the biggest regret is not using Olivia Coleman more. Mm -hmm.
0: That's interesting. Uh,
1: The only other thing that I can think of is uh, a couple of weeks ago it was announced that the new series of Doctor Who has uh, started filming and they released uh, a photograph of the main cast, the TARDIS crew. Um, And we were, I think everyone was basically saying, well, that's obviously not Cardiff. (laughs) <laughs> uh, it's it's been announced that actually uh that was in South Africa.
0: Ah, that's interesting. More location mm. shots.
1: Yeah, so it'd be interesting to see whether um it'll if South Africa is standing in for another location or if it or if it's a story set in South Africa.
0: There was um, a bit of activity on Twitter the other day about a midnight announcement. Oh yes, and that turned out to be about a new. Virtual reality game,
1: mm-hmm.
0: or episode rather.
1: Yeah, which I think is is quite cool. Uh, it'd be interesting to see how how that turns out. But I think the problem is when when you have things like this where they build up, t- where they're building up the announcement of, we're you know we're releasing some news at midnight. The problem with that is that people's expectations can't help be but be built up, mm-hmm. um, in a completely separate way. Because I remember when it was. Um, 2013, 2014, it was announced that Kate Bush was uh, going to go, um, she was going to perform live for the first time since the late 1970s, so that was tremendously exciting, and then not long after, uh, the band Genesis, which I'm a big fan of as well, they said, oh, uh, in a few days' time, or however long it was, we're going to be making a major announcement, Mm -hmm. And everyone was getting really excited, just going, oh, what's this announcement going to be? Are they they getting back together and uh, going live again, like they did back in 2007? So the expectations were building up and building up and building up, and then the announcement was just that they were releasing another Best Of collection.
0: That's frustrating.
1: Yeah, and it's just like, oh, for God's sake, you could have just come out with that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I remember a few years ago, I was on the Red Dwarf website. Mm Mm-hmm. And well, the thirtieth anniversary came and gone, but this was for the twentieth anniversary, and the website was a ticking clock, and it was a, it was about a big announcement. Something was coming, Ooh, cool. and this was before the show was relaunched on Dave. Mm-hmm. And when the countdown hit zero, it was just to launch the new look website.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, for goodness' sake! Yeah, I bet that was annoying. Yeah. <laughs> So I don't mind these sort of uh, obviously these announcements being made, and I suppose there has to be a, a time when they're officially released. But mm. I mean to 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 drum up that level of expectation.
0: I think uh, in this case it's the kind of thing you just want to casually come across in the news. <laughs> it doesn't need an announcement.
1: No, no, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that was the thing before before the uh, before the announcement came through. That it was to do with a, a virtual reality thing. There was a room. There was the the standard rumours that come up with this sort of thing that some more missing episodes had been found. Um, mm. But the weird thing is, they all centred around the fact it was the space pirates. Oh right! It was like oh they've they found they found the space pirates and, I mean it's great when th- there's the potential of a missing Doctor Who story to be found. But I but I remember thinking at the time going, well if that's the announcement. I'm really not bothered, because in my view, The Space Pirates is one of the most <laughs> boring, tedious Doctor Who stories ever.
0: Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> it's, it's it's not it's not great. Um, so I was sort of, oh, would I, <clears throat> would I get excited about watching The Space Pirates? <laughs> mm. Talking of uh, Missing Doctor Who, just, uh, just briefly, is there any particular story you would love to be found?
0: Possibly Marco Polo.
1: Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I'd prefer to have all of them. <laughs> How weird! Uh, no, I, th- I think obviously yeah, we would like all of them. But I mean, if if, if you had if you had the power, um, to find one, but it it could only be one. Have you got one in particular? Well, that's the thing. It's, a, it's a, it, it is a bit tricky. I th- funny enough, Marco Polo I think is is pretty near the top of my list because I love that one. But then there's a part of me going, well, would I want to recover an entire missing story, or? For example, I love the William Hartnell story, The Crusade, Mm -hmm. which is a four-episode story, but we've only got episodes one and three.
0: Have we got those released on DVD now, yeah? Are they in the box set?
1: I think they were on the Missing in Action uh, box set that was released eons ago.
0: Yeah. Lost in Time.
1: That was it, yes.
0: Uh, For a moment, I thought, oh my god, I don't have Missing in Action.
1: Where have I got Missing in Action from? (laughs) I've no idea. Anyway, yes, it's called uh, Lost in Time. That's
0: it. That's really dramatic, missing in action.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It is, isn't it?
0: Take the Lost in some battle. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I've been watching the 50th anniversary Blu-ray set. Right. And I was just watching a short episode wrote by Stephen Moffat called The Last Day. And it's a little mini-sword. And that's from the point of view of a soldier. And that would have been a good VR episode, possibly.
1: Oh, I remember that. I think, I remember watching that. That wasn't too bad, um, if I remember rightly. Um, I think that may have been released on the Doctor Who BBC website. I can't quite remember. But yes, I remember watching that.
0: They could definitely do a live-action VR show now, couldn't they?
1: Do you think that would be the next thing? You know, because you know how we, uh, in the previous podcast, we were looking at dimensions in time, mm-hmm. uh, which was the 30th anniversary charity special, and th- the big thing about that was that how that was made and broadcast in 3D, and that was a that was a big deal at the time. Yeah. Do you think they could do something similar now, but in VR?
0: Possibly yes. Obviously, there's a lot of restrictions with sets and lighting, if mm-hmm. you're having a, a fully immersive experience, mm-hmm. you'd have to have the characters acting with just a single camera unit there filming, wouldn't you? Yeah. So logistically it's not a good idea possibly.
1: Yeah, because I think that was one of the issues that they had with uh, Dimensions in Time because the way that the 3D was, was made and utilised, it it could only be done in this very sort of artificial way of directing where the camera had to be constantly on the move mm-hmm. in order for the 3D effect to work in that particular way um, which limits the which dictates the way that everything's written it's in this very artificial way and you can't have slow down normal drama moments so I'm wondering if if, if, if someone was to move this idea we, we might have a similar issue
0: yeah, it would affect the um the storytelling, probably, wouldn't it? Mm. The way TV's presented now is changing a lot, um, with streaming services mm-hmm. and maybe interactive stories might become a bit of a thing.
1: Yeah, because we've seen that uh, with Netflix with the Bandersnatch episode of Black Mirror. Mm-hmm. So, in terms of the other special, uh, what other special features were on there on the uh, box set? The
0: name of the Doctor. Which is an odd thing to include, because if you're a collector of this box set, you undoubtedly have the name of the Doctor already, because it was included on the previous series.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're right, it is. It's included yeah. uh, in the Season 7 box set.
0: Yeah. Um. Now, I'm happy with being included here, because... Was that Series 7 you, you said? Yeah. Yes. That'll be when I stopped buying DVDs, and from the... Day of the Doctor on was about Blu-rays. Right. So okay. I was happy to have that episode again on Blu-ray rather, rather than DVD. Mm. And obviously the Day of the Doctors included. Yeah. I think there was an issue with possibly the sound or the frame rate or something. Nothing I've noticed. But there was... But they did um, offer replacement discs at the time. And because I didn't, I couldn't tell the difference mm-hmm. without looking at it um, more in depth, I was a bit scared to order the replacement disc because you had to send off your old disc and they'd send you a new one and already
1: this box set was out of print. Ah, right, okay. That's, that's interesting, it... that's the way that they did that because when um, the recent season, uh, season 12 uh, Blu-ray box set, Tom Baker's first season, yeah was released there was um some minor issues with um the Centauran experiment and revenge of the cyberman discs right okay um just minor issues nothing to really really uh, affect your enjoyment of watching the stories but a couple of things t- um so they did offer replacement discs but what they did on that occasion was you had to, there was a bbc email which uh, you contacted. Yeah. And all what you had to do was provide proof of purchase. Um, so like an invoice. Yeah. Uh, and then it would take them two weeks. And then they just sent out the replacement discs.
0: Okay. Well, that's interesting. Hmm. Um, because I was scared because the only statement I read about the day of the doctor was... Here's an address... Send your disc, and we'll send you a new disc. I was very concerned about that, so I didn't do it.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's understandable because I mean the problem that I had um I didn't know that box set was limited edition when it first came out so when um so when it was released, um I just thought oh, I'll just hold off and i'll I'll buy it when I can and by the time I had the funds it it had long been it, it was no longer available. Which I was a bit, yeah, which I was a bit disappointed with. So, there's a few other extra
0: special features. Farewell to Matt Smith. A Night with the Stars, The Science of Doctor Who. Doctor Who, The Ultimate Guide. It does include The Night of the Doctor. Starring Paul McGann.
1: Yeah.
0: And that's also included on the Blu-ray of the movie as well. It has... The mini episode, The Last Day, which we were just talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, Script to screen. It has the trailers, um, but most importantly, it has An Adventure in Space and Time on Blu-ray.
1: Ah, fantastic. Yes.
0: Yeah. Tales from the TARDIS, which I think has a few interviews um, with some of the past Doctors. Mm -hmm. It has the five-ish Doctors.
1: Right, okay. Did that, that like have,
0: did that get a standard release? Or was it just on this set? I think it was probably just on that set. Mm. It has the Doctor Who Proms 2013. It also has the Time of the Doctor, which is the following story. Oh, right, yes. Uh-huh. And was that not released on a main series box set?
1: Um, it wouldn't have been. I don't think so. Because the The Blu-ray box set uh, that I have, which is series one to seven, it goes up to um, the name of the Doctor, mm-hmm. and then that's it. So, and the the following two stories were the Day of the Doctor, uh, and uh, is it Night of the Doctor? It's called. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I think it's a shame when you have to rely on buying these single releases. They did so well early on, didn't they?
1: Yeah, I suppose on this occasion it's a bit understandable because um, it's basically two specials, which are Matt Smith's final story, mm-hmm. uh, stories rather. Um, and and what do you do? Do you do you halt the? Do you uh, halt? Do you do you delay the release of series seven to include those,
0: mm-hmm.
1: or make them available at the earliest opportunity, and then people buy those separately
0: mm. um, there was an instance a few years ago and with one of Matt Smith's box sets they released the information for the DVD and everyone noticed it didn't include the Doctor, the Widow and the and the Wardrobe and because of fan backlash the decided, they decided to include it
1: Ah, I vaguely remember that. Yes, there mm. was a backlash. and Yeah, yeah, they, they did change their minds. Yeah, that's true.
0: But it didn't set a precedent for them keeping things in the future.
1: Mm. Yeah, that's Which true. Should. Yeah.
0: And it's got a few other things like um, cinema in reductions, things like that. Mm-hmm. The box set itself is quite nice because it's a photo frame box set. And it includes four standard Blu-ray discs. Mm-hmm. And each of them has a Doctor on, so you've got Paul McGann, David Tennant, Matt Smith, and John Hurt. And you pick your favourite Doctor to put at in the foreground, and it's presented in a little photo frame, which looks like um, the Moment device.
1: Ah, okay, that sounds nice.
0: So the Day of the Doctor opens with the classic titles cut down.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. That was a really, really uh, great start. It really got me excited, in fact, um, because this was the 50th anniversary, and this felt huge. Um, Doctor Who... This was probably the peak of Doctor Who's popularity in our lifetime, and certainly since the show's come back. It's probably mm. our generation's equivalent of the popularity Doctor Who had with the five Doctors uh, back in 1983. Um because Doctor Who came back in two thousand and five, it was popular enough for it to carry on. David Tennant's Doctor uh, proved to be immensely popular. Everyone seemed to love the show and talk about it and watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, fans and non-fans alike. Everyone just seemed to be watching it. And then when David Tennant left, there was a concern whether whoever his predece- uh, whoever his successor would be, uh, which turned out to be Matt Smith whether the popularity of the show would continue. In fact, it's since been revealed that the BBC were even considering cancelling Doctor Who. That's for, right, yeah. Yeah, for concerns that it wouldn't be as popular. But anyway, it did continue with Matt Smith, and that proved to be inspired casting. One, because Matt Smith's a smashing actor. He's brilliant. He was a great doctor. And managed to continue the success of the show. It didn't dwindle. In fact, there was a period where it kept on building. Um, Which timing for the 50th anniversary was was perfect. Because, again, it was a massive celebration for the show, marking 50 years of it. And, again, everyone was tremendously excited. We were being long-time fans Mm -hmm. and uh, general viewers alike. So it was absolutely fantastic.
0: Yeah, it would have been strange to have Chris Elsen back. I wasn't surprised when he wasn't returning.
1: Yeah, um, there's yeah. I think people were disappointed. I mean, I think, I think he's been quite gentlemanly about it in the sense that he hasn't gone into the full details, but he he has been a bit more candid in in recent years about. Um. Why he was treated, yeah. The way, the way that he was treated and why he really doesn't want anything to do with the show. Not in terms of the fans, he's very appreciative of the fans and he's still very proud of his time on the show. Um, and I th- uh, He attended his first Doctor Who convention, I can't quite remember, it was either last year, 2018, or the year before. Uh, do you remember when?
0: I don't remember when, but I remember the video from that. Is that what you're talking about, when he meets...
1: Oh, Matt Smith. Matt Smith, yeah. Yeah, that was quite nice. But um, I think I think even Christopher Eccleston was uh, was overwhelmed at how um, how much people really love his Doctor, mm-hmm. um, and he's got a lot to be proud of with what he did. I mean, um, one of the reasons why the the revivals it has proved to be a tremendous success is because of him, his casting and his performance. Um, I think it would have been quite nice had he come back, but as you say, I think given what we know, it's 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 surprising yeah. that he didn't.
0: And he might someday, in the same way Tom Baker has, have a lot of appreciation for it someday.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: But I think um, John Hurt was a good replacement and added a bit of a twist.
1: It did, yes, because I remember uh, when the name of the Doctor was broadcast. Uh, I remember watching that because I watched it live when it was being broadcast, and um I remember really liking that because I had problems with the companion Clara um for a couple of reasons The chief amongst them being was I felt that she was a plot device rather than a character yes although they although they had a really really good actress playing the part, I just felt it was it was just wasted, but the name of the doctor. Finally, gave her a sense of purpose, and she was strong. And I remember really liking that. Um, I thought it was a great story. Richard E. Grant was brought uh, was brought back to play the great intelligence, and he was really creepy. And there were some dramatic moments, but of course, it was the end of that. It was the end of that story where you get we discover that there was this doctor which we weren't aware of before, and it was this doctor who had fought in the time war. And this was really exciting. And then it turned out that the actor that they brought in to play that was John Hurt. Mm -hmm. And I remember, because I remember when that was revealed, I remember watching it and going, I know that voice.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Oh, it's, it's bothering me. And I remember getting really, really gripped by it. And then when he turns around and then introducing John Hurt as the war doctor... It's well, such a the, big, such
0: a big reveal that his face isn't enough. They need, the need to put his name on screen during uh, yeah. the episode.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's John Hurt. It's fantastic. One of the, one of the one of Britain's greatest actors, um, who's been ap- just absolutely phenomenal. I mean, there's certain people that you get into the show of Doctor Who, mm-hmm. either playing a main character, sorry, either playing one of the regulars or, or just coming in as, as a guest star. You go. Wow, that's that's amazing. I think uh, Patrick Troughton is one of those for me. Derek Jacobi coming in to play the Masters, one of those, mm-hmm. and John Hurt. I mean, the man's amazing, and to get get an actor of his calibre into the show is mm-hmm. amazing. Mm-hmm. But, but getting him in to to play the Doctor was was brilliant, and so that was another reason to get tremendously excited for the fiftieth.
0: Yeah, and did you? figure out which doctor he was when you watched The Name of the Doctor?
1: No, I didn't know what was... I mean, I thought it was interesting. I thought I thought the way that it was explained in, in The Name of the Doctor was he was this doctor that we weren't initially privy to.
0: Did you think he was definitely a past doctor at this stage? Or could he potentially be a future doctor?
1: No, I thought he was a past doctor... Uh, I didn't think it was a recasting. No, of one.
0: but some people did. Some people thought it was an old Paul McGann.
1: <laughs> I mean, I can I can understand why why people would have thought that, but as as we said, because I, I think we mentioned it in the last podcast. Um, but as you mentioned, sort of like, but we've already got a, an older Paul McGann. <laughs> it's 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 Paul McGann. Uh, so, so why, why would you recast him? Just um, recast him with a high profile actor. <laughs> Yeah, sorry, Paul McGann, you're really not good enough. We've got John Heard. Um, I think because the way that it was explained in the name of the doctor, because Matt Smith is clearly aware of who he is, and he's referring, <coughs> if memory serves, he, he refers to himself, he refers to this doctor in the past tense. Yeah, okay. Um, And all the other doctors that were in that landscape uh, were all past doctors. Yeah. So it was uh, it was an interesting idea, and it was sort of oh where where where's this come from, and how's this going to play out? It was a, it was a, it was a nice it was a very nice surprise.
0: Yeah, I got to see some leaked set photos after that, um, and you got a better view of John Hurt's outfit, and it did it when you look at it, it does match up with the Ninth Doctor's leather jacket, even though it's a different slightly different colour. And more distressed. Mm-hmm. Um, it does have. I think the buttons are the same. And then he's wearing. His waistcoat underneath. Kind of matches the 8th Doctor style. So it's kind of a blend of them both.
1: Yeah and I think that's, I think that's a good. Um, very good costume design. And mm. especially when we have. The Night of the Doctor. Which mm. is that mini episode. Where finally no Paul McGann comes back. Onto television. To reprise, a rose, uh, reprise his the, the role of the Doctor briefly in order to have the regeneration scene, mm-hmm. and you're seeing that the the new costume that he has in that, and then later what John Hurt wears. Yeah, you're right. It does seem to be this halfway house between what Christopher Eccleston's Doctor wore, and um, what Paul McGann's Doctor wore in the Night of the Doctor.
0: Yeah, and I think it makes a lot of sense to us the chronology of the Doctor. Mm-hmm. But I've noticed it does confuse a lot of people. Like, if I'm looking on YouTube comments or whatever, people are still a bit confused, like, oh, who's he? Where does he fit in? And they make some presumptions and get it wrong. Um, like I was watching the Day of the Doctor with my wife the other day hmm. and John Hurt starts regenerating and she's like, Wait, who's he turning into? She didn't she even then she didn't quite get it.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it does it, it does muddy the waters in some respects. I mean certainly with with the numbering because, I mean he is still. He is still he, a doctor, even yeah. though it's it's explained narratively that he abandons that name because he's become a warrior. Uh, he's mm-hmm. no longer the doctor. Uh, he's a warrior fighting in the Time War. He's a soldier. Mm. Um. But yeah, because he's he's still, he's still the doctor, as it were. Yeah just sort of muddy the waters a bit. But I think now it's, um, I think you can, you buy and accept it and you just stick with, you know, Paul McGann's the eighth Doctor, Christopher Eccleston's the ninth. It's just that John Hurt's in the middle between those two and he just plays the the war Doctor.
0: Yeah. So going back to the episode, we've got a police officer walking down the road. Mm -hmm. There's a sign for... I am Foreman Scrap Merchant. Yep. Which has obviously been there a while. And then we get to Cole Hill. Mm-hmm. And on the sign it says um, Chairman of the Governors I. Chesterton.
1: Yes. And I think um, there's another name on there which is uh, W. Coburn. Oh, okay. Some, uh, and that's a reference to the W's for Warris, as in Warris Hussein. Who directed *An Unearthly Child*, the very first Doctor Who story? Yeah, and Coben is, is in Anthony Coben, the chap who actually wrote the story. Okay. So the, the yeah, there's a there's a there's a nice few references. I mean, I thought it was great that the episode began with the original title sequence. I mean, if I'm being really picky, it's a shame that it's a shortened version of it. Um, but. It was a nice touch, and as you say, it, it, there's there's, uh, there's a lot of references to the very first episode within within those opening moments, mm-hmm. which is nice.
0: Yeah. I know we're going a bit off topic here, but when I was watching the spin-off show Class, without put, without spoiling it for you because you haven't seen it, mm-hmm. it is implied early on that the governors, or maybe the antagonists in the show, um, and it got to the point where I, th- I was thinking it was implying that Ian Chesterton is the big bad guy. Oh, okay. <laughs> I know that wasn't the case, but... <laughs> oh, right. It was kind of implied that the governors were up to something. And I'm thinking, yeah, Ian's the chairman of the governors. What's going on here? <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, okay.
0: So, in the opening scene in, inside the school, Clara's working as a teacher at, at Cole Hill. Mm-hmm. And the other teacher runs in saying, there's a call from your doctor, are you okay? And that had me thinking, that's not really any of his business. <laughs> and why, why would you over-exaggerate about someone's doctor calling them? You know what I mean? <laughs> what if it's just about an appointment or something? Uh,
1: you know, it's, <laughs> the, it's, 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 it's really
0: concerned. <laughs>
1: He just cares about his colleague, but yeah, you're right. It's, it's like, all of his He's business. like, "Oh my
0: god, are you okay? Are you dying or something?" Like, <laughs> <laughs> people can go to the doctors about little things.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I never thought of that, but yeah, you're right. That 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 teacher is a nosy little tyke and should mind yeah. his own business.
0: And then we've got the bike scene, mm-hmm. and it's not the not the first time a motorbike's been in the TARDIS.
1: No, and especially because uh, the. Clara rides the the motorbike into the TARDIS uh, straight through the doors, and I do sort of wonder if if that was a deliberate reference to the TV movie. I wonder, yeah. It's got to be, surely.
0: Yeah, wouldn't we'll believe that. Yeah. Yeah, and then we go to the Tower of London. Mm-hmm. The TARDIS is picked up, and we get the music from the World War Three two part. Um, and later on, we get recycled music. Mm-hmm. When we see the battle inside the the painting, we get the music from The Stolen Earth and Journey's End.
1: Mm-hmm. Those are nice touches.
0: So, Kate Stewart returns. Yeah. And this is the first story for Osgood, isn't
1: it? Uh, yes, it is, yeah. Do you think she's a good character for the story? I think she is. I think one she she's uh she's a good character. She she's very well written. She uh performs very well within the story. Um and it's it, it, obviously she, she's also there to represent the fans because clearly she's sort of like a fangirl. Yeah. Um so you know she, she's wearing the scarf which is a which is an obvious reference. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, no, I, I think she works I quite like her character. How about you? Uh, yeah, I do. And her part of the narrative
0: obviously, we've got her inhaler there, which mm-hmm. turns out to be the thing we identify with which one is the real Osgood. Yeah. Later on, the Black Archive. Mm-hmm. And That that is probably playing part of a, a greater narrative that comes into play later on in the Peter Capaldi era. Yes, it does, yeah. Um, which makes me think was that intentional that they were thinking ahead or what was the point of putting that in this narrative
1: I think it worked I'm not sure whether they were thinking that far ahead I mean they may have been um, but I, I, I suspect not I mean they may have been thinking that they would want to do another Zygon story but I think it's it's quite nice in the way that it's seen here I mean we're skipping ahead towards the end but because yeah. we've got two versions of Osgood one the original and one who's the, the Zygon um, and, it's a, it, uh, and it's a moment in the narrative when they're not supposed to know who's the Zygon and who's the human but they manage to work it out because of the fact that Osgood has asthma and Eden and Yeah, and I think it's quite a nice character moment for both of them but especially the Zygon
0: it conveys that the Zygons willing to go along with this.
1: Yes, and that not all the the Zygons are, are necessarily yeah. bad or evil. So yeah, it, it adds some it adds some nice character development, but a bit more richness to to the Zygons themselves.
0: And jumping ahead again, um, Kate's obviously got an important part of the narrative because these these moments in history that the War Doctor's been showing are kind of analogies for what he's going through. Then we get another title sequence when the Doctor's being flown in.
1: Yeah, that's right. So when he's, he's flying through and we've got the dramatic music and it's quite nice how that's shot. Um, and we've got um, Matt Smith and David Tennant and Billy Piper and, uh, you know, bis- you know the, the big names appearing on screen. Mm. So that's, quite, that, that's handled yeah. quite well.
0: And he's hanging out the TARDIS by his feet. Did you think that was good or did it come across a bit silly?
1: Um... I think it came across as maybe a bit silly. Not that necessarily in itself. Um, I think when he's hanging from underneath the TARDIS, and it turns out, you know, because the TARDIS has hand grips underneath, that seems a bit convenient. I think um, maybe it could be deemed as a, 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 as a bit silly, but it's, it's a nice, fun action piece to you know quickly get into the, the main thrust of the story. Um, so I don't mind it so much. It's it's still enjoyable, and I think it's uh, it's directed and realized quite well. What are your thoughts on it?
0: I agree with what you said. It's because it, it's got to be entertaining, hasn't it? They can't make the whole thing too serious.
1: Yeah, and of
0: course to mention Darren Brown as a cover story.
1: <laughs> yeah, which I thought was uh, which was quite funny and a, a nice touch. And the Doctor relishes in the
0: fact that he's got a job. And there's another thing here that you might miss, but Clara asks if he knew Elizabeth the I. Mm-hmm. And that's when he swiftly changes the subject, saying, oh, yeah, he's got a job. Yeah. And that's interesting that he's, he won't acknowledge Queen Elizabeth in that moment. Do you think he kind of um, quickly changed the subject intentionally?
1: I think so. I mean, because I think Matt Smith's doctor is... Is an innocent. Uh, in many ways, he's sort of he's a he's a child. And the whole the whole the whole thing to do with Queen Elizabeth was the fact that David Tennant's doctor um, had a relationship, possibly even a sexual relationship, with Queen Elizabeth the mm-hmm. first. And I think the characterisation of Matt Smith's doctor, uh, he finds that sort of thing uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So I think it's 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 in keeping with. Uh, his characterization of the Doctor, that he, he finds that thing a bit embarrassing and uncomfortable to talk about, so he just quickly changes the subject.
0: Mm-hmm. It's consistent with the Doctor's attitude towards a lot of his companions, though, isn't it? Mm-hmm. There can be an implied romantic interest, and then the Doctor can move on to someone else and do the same thing. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if this has all got to do with something that happened in the first Doctor's Lifetime. Maybe he's just trying to regain something he had with someone.
1: Maybe I mean because I think, um, yeah, I mean the the, the first Doctor he was introduced to the fact that he has a he has a, a granddaughter. He's clearly had a family. There's yeah. a romantic interest that he has in the in the story of the Aztecs.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Um, but be but beyond that, the classic series doesn't tend to doesn't tend to deal with sort of romance in that particular way until we get to Paul McGann's Doctor.
0: It's crazy looking back how much of a small kiss that was when you think everyone made such a big deal of it.
1: Yeah, I mean because I remember when I was watching the the TV movie I wasn't particularly bothered by it. I thought, you know, it suited that doctor, it suited the moment, it suited the story. Um and I always thought that there was a there was a, a history of of the doctor being uh romantically interested as mm. I've just mentioned, you know, for example with the Aztecs. But yeah, so when uh, I became aware that some Doctor Who fans were um, up in arms about it, I was really surprised.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was a New Year's Eve kiss. I mean, if if you saw that kiss now in modern Doctor Who, you wouldn't even tally it off on the list of Doctor's kisses, probably. No, 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 (laughs) uh, not the,
1: not the New Year's uh, kiss, the the
0: one. Oh yes. Why am I totally? I've totally blotted that out. Yeah, that's right. Uh huh. I mean, because that's
1: that's quite passionate oh that's right. Yeah. Cuz he get uh, and then suddenly you know cuz he he's got excited by by the fact that he he suddenly discovered who he is. Yeah. Uh, and then uh and then Dr uh Dr Grace Holloway's like good. Now do that again. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then he does. So you know that is quite passionate.
0: Yeah. Although you could probably excuse it as him being a bit loopy cuz he's just regenerated. All the <laughs> all the doctors act a bit out of character don't they, for a little while. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that's true, but uh, nah, he knew what he was doing. After uh, I mean, my interpretation of the Earth Doctor is that is in keeping with his with his character, and yeah. I think I think it's quite nice.
0: So, the Doctor and Clara go to see the painting, mm-hmm. the No More painting, and obviously this was in three D at the cinema. An physical release.
1: Yes, that's right. Yeah.
0: So that was all part of the gimmick. <laughs> yeah. It's not on par with like running around Pat Butcher over camera. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, this was this was different. This was for cinematic releases because the day of the Doctor had an absolutely uh, the release of it was immense. It was simultaneously broadcast in oh, I don't know how many countries but uh, quite a significant number, and it was also shown in a number of cinemas, certainly in Britain and America. And what was great was for the one day that it was released, which was the 23rd of November, Um, it was number one at the box office. Right, okay. Which I thought was, you know, which, was, <laughs> which yeah. I thought was fantastic. But anyway, but going back to the 3D thing, because it was a cinematic release, and at that time... Um, movies in 3D the, the gimmick was still riding high so people, you know, people were still interested in it. Yeah. But yeah, as you say, it wasn't in it wasn't in the same category as, as um, having a camera revolve for an entire minute around Pat Butcher <laughs> in Albert Square. <laughs> yeah, you can't top that. <laughs> no, you can't. And the origins of the painting
0: were a bit of a mystery and they still were by the end, weren't they?
1: Yes, uh, but I think that's quite good. I think that's you know that's quite a good mystery but the the ex- one of the, the, the one of the major exciting things about the story is we finally get a a little bit of a peek at the time war because yeah. since the show came back in 2005 it was something that got you know constantly mentioned and mm-hmm. it was and it was a big thing about you know the doctor and his relationship with the time lords and there was that and it was a way of instilling the mystery of the doctor that you know this was a hero but he He had done some apparently some really really appalling things in the Time War, Mm. and it was a really really big deal. And here we are, um, you know, we're at the end of the War Doctors' time. You know, this is the this is the last day of the Time War. Mm -hmm. You know, and he's, and that's I think that's a really good um, characterization for for John Hurt's Doctor. You know, this is. He's battle weary. He's sick, and he, you know, it's like right. This needs to end because one, it's gone on for so long. It's so bloody. It's so painful, uh, and also the the universe is on the brink of total destruction. Something needs to be done, and uh, and to have have that glimpse of the Daleks and the time and the Time Lords and innocent <coughs> civilians caught up in all this. Yeah, um, it was. It was a very incredibly powerful viewing. Yeah. And
0: the way Stephen Moffat's revisited the Time War, I think he's done it quite effectively. Because if you'd asked me before this was released, I would have said perhaps it's not worth revisiting the the Time War because these were events that had happened. Mm -hmm. But revisiting them this way, it's a good approach because it adds the mystery that we weren't aware of. Of the War Doctor. And of course. The outcome of the Time War. Isn't what we thought it was.
1: So that was the. I think that was the potential risk. Because. Uh, the Time War had been mentioned. For eight years. Uh, up until this point. And we'd heard. You know. Snippets. And Russell T. Davis. And Stephen Moffat. Had come up with some. You know. Really really amazing sounding names. You know. Things like the Silver Devastation. And. And a whole load of other things. And. That can only build up certain imagery in in one's mind, and the imagination is an incredibly powerful thing. Um, and so the, the risk was that anything that could have been revealed about the Time War would only be a massive disappointment in comparison. But actually, what mm-hmm. was written and what we, and how it was realised, I think was was done really, really well. Um, so it, so it wasn't it wasn't a disappointing viewing experience, and 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 for Stephen Moffat and everyone invo- involved in making this. I mean that, that that's one thing that I think they need to be applauded for that they managed to, not disappoint.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: I mean, I mean, they didn't disappoint right across the board, but I mean, just focusing specifically on this element of the plot with regards to the time war, they didn't disappoint, and I think that's quite significant and that's that's a big achievement narratively.
0: Yeah, and of course it doesn't step on the toes of David Tennant's last story. Mm-hmm. We've we've got the War Council. And the High Council in two different cities, yeah, at the same moment, so it, it works um it works around that quite mm-hmm. well
1: yeah it it's handled well and um although it it was a bit... you know the, the, again I, I'm jumping ahead here, but it was it was the big thing that the war doctor did this uh ultimate extreme thing, which was destroy Dalek's time lords and innocents alike. And the and the big thing is how many children were killed through his actions, and that's something that is, um, has has plagued him. Um, mm-hmm. But at the end of the story, you know that doesn't, that doesn't come to be. They they find another way of going about it, but um, that doesn't reverse everything that the war doctor did. There are no. still things that the war the war doctor did during the time war. He was he was on the front lines. He was battling. Um, he still probably did atrocious things. So there's still that. Um, so it doesn't diminish, you know. Uh, Stephen Moffat does it does that thing he rebalances. He does something really interesting narratively. Um, he, you know, he changes something about the Doctor's past, but it doesn't diminish the impact of the characterisations of Eccleston's and Tennant's Doctor and what we saw during those eras.
0: Because the War Doctor doesn't just have shame for that moment; mm-hmm. he's obviously ashamed of who he is from before this point as well.
1: Yes, yeah,
0: yeah. The doctor says he's had many faces, many lives. Um, he doesn't admit to all of them, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Which other faces does he not admit to?
1: <laughs> yeah, that's true. I always took that to be referenced in reference just to the war doctor. Yeah. I didn't think it was sort of, you know, I. I although, you know, you could arguably say, well, maybe who's embarrassed by. You know, maybe he doesn't fully admit to the seventh doctor, for example, because the seventh doctor commits genocide in remembrance of the Daleks.
0: And likewise with the sixth doctor for other reasons. Yeah, the coat. Um, <laughs> Not just the coat. I mean, the the, the um is <laughs> changing morals with killing and things like that as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, uh, true. But I mean, but uh, what we've seen in, for example, the name of the doctor. You know, we do get references to those doctors, and he hasn't. Yeah. Um, yeah, so he still admits to those. So I always took that to just to be reference to John Hurt's doctor.
0: Yeah, specifically. Okay. Mm-hmm. And like you said, we see the children on Gallifrey. What you can assume are, are just like civilians. Yeah. In this city, which isn't something we've seen much of, if at all.
1: No, the only other time that I can think of where we've seen um, Gallifreyans who aren't Time Lords, mm. uh, is in um, the Tom Baker story, The Invasion of Time.
0: But then again, they're, they are just outcasts, aren't they?
1: Yes, that's true, but they're still, they're still uh, That That's the only other instance that I can think of. Mm-hmm.
0: So, when we're still seeing these events of the Time War, and we're taken to the War Council mm-hmm. with the General, it's it, it explained... That the High Council's got plans of their own. Mm -hmm. So we're not going to see any of them in this story. And then we've got the Omega Arsenal. Yeah. And they've used all the weapons apart from the moment, which is gone. And of course, the moment was mentioned in the end of time, wasn't it? The Doctor possesses the moment.
1: Oh, yes, I completely forgot about that. Yes, you're right, it is, yeah. So it turns
0: a, out it, turns out to be a physical thing, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, that's a reference I've never, uh, I've, completely passed me by. Yes, you're right. It is mentioned, so that's a, that's a nice tie. in. yeah, that's quite good. Yeah.
0: And then we see the War Doctor arriving at the barn. Yeah. And is this 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 is obviously the same barn that we see Clara and the first Doctor in, in a flashback when she visits the. Um, the Doctor was a child and she's under under the bed.
1: Yes, in the episode Listen. Yeah, that's um, right. Uh, which we didn't know until that episode was broadcast. Uh, because when uh, the Doctor was originally broadcast, this just seemed to be a, a new setting. We'd never yeah. seen it before. But um, as I put... It works in that regard, but I think it's quite nice. Um, looking back on it now, knowing that that was the barn that we see and listen.
0: Yeah. And then, and then again, is it the same barn we see in Hellbent?
1: Yes. Yes, yes it is. Yeah.
0: But yeah, it's good having it in this story, knowing that it's possibly where he grew up. Mm-hmm. Because I was watching this, and when Matt Smith and David Tennant arrived, they're having a good look around. It's almost like they're reminiscing of the past, about the past.
1: Yeah, which I think... Um... I mean, one—it's—it's—it's it's, it's a good acting moment from both of them, uh, because obviously they—they—they were probably acting it from the point of view of, um, "Oh, we've entered this new location. Let's have a look around. What on earth is this?" But yeah. it, but it, but also it's—you can put that interpretation with their performances on top of it. Now going, "Oh, that you know they are reminiscing of that. They recognise that place. So that, that that's quite good."
0: Mm.
1: And of course, it's it's here. That we have uh, Billy Piper, hmm yeah, interesting
0: way of bringing her back,
1: yeah, I think it's an excellent way to bring her back um yeah. i think because when the show came back, it was i mean a, a big part of its success was Billy Piper's performance, it was her character i mean it's it's through the episode Rose, it's through her eyes, you know, she's the eye of the audience, it brings us she's the one who brings us into the series. And she proved to be very, very popular, and played the part incredibly, incredibly well. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the return owes a great success to her. So it was it was and a no brainer to bring her back. She had to come back, but
0: and of course she's been brought back once before after the great departure she had. Mm-hmm. She was, she was brought back in Turn Left, The Stolen Earth, Journey's End, and you could argue the success of that. Mm-hmm. whether people like that or not. And I think bringing Rose herself back again could have been a step too far.
1: I think it would have been. I think it would have been a step too far, but also narratively, and in terms of the continuity of the show, probably wouldn't have made an awful lot of sense. No. Um. But what you get here is a, a brilliant way of bringing her back. It's it's very, very very, very imaginative, but it works. So she's mm-hmm. playing the moment, Um. But she's doing it in a way where, because the war doctor believes that he doesn't have a future, no, uh, because of for for what he's about to do, because um, he's not only going to be murdering millions, possibly well, actually billions of people, um, he'll also be killing himself in the process. That's right. But the the moment is an image of his future. So it's, it's that wonderful thing of, one, it brings Billy Piper back. Two, it, she's playing an interesting character. And three, yeah. it's, it's woven narratively again into the story in a really, really strong way, which is, I'm from your future, you do have a future. But what's interesting is that, um, because she's the interface of the moment, which is such a powerful weapon that it's, uh, it's managed to develop a conscience yeah, and she says, "Right, okay. If you use me as a, as a weapon, the consequences will be you survive this."
0: Yeah, because he says he's got no desire to survive.
1: Yes, yeah, yeah. And she
0: says, "As his punishment, it will it will be for him to live."
1: Mm-hmm. Mm. So, because th- so I really really like the way that she, uh, Billy Piper has been brought back into it. I think uh, I think it's very very imaginative. Um, it's very good and as we've seen before, she plays the part very, very well. She's, you know, she's a pretty good actress. And you do get the sense of um, how she plays it. There's a, there's a, there's a seriousness there, but there's a, but there's a sort of lightness of touch. There are sort of comedy moments, uh, ch- childlike moments. The way that when we first see her, and she's sort of mimicking and mo- mocking the doctor, you know, with the whole thing of no more. Yeah. One, I love how that's performed. I love how it's written. I love how it's uh, edited and directed. You know, how it seems to be sort of like intercut. Yeah. I, um, I, th- I, th- that, I think that's one of the, uh, the, the 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 great moments of the episode. I think it's quite atmospheric. I mean, I love the location and the cinematography of the barn in which they're in. It looks great. Yeah. Um, I love everything about that scene.
0: And then, of course, there's Time Fisher opens. Mm-hmm. And things happen in a bit of a funny order, mm-hmm. with with respect to the fez. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, it's
0: interesting that she shows a bit of his future. Obviously, there's a purpose to that, but it it would would have been cool if he'd got to see some of his past.
1: I suppose. A- Suppose so, but then narratively, what would have been the point? Yeah.
0: Exactly, I'm just thinking it would have been cool. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I suppose. So. I mean,
0: maybe to show him the man he used to be.
1: Yeah, that would have. I suppose that would have worked. I think that may have been a bit too much of a sort of like a continuity reference. I mean, I know this is yeah. celebrating the fiftieth anniversary, and there's there's an awful lot going on, but it's, yeah. But in many respects, it's sort of this is doing what the three doctors did all those years ago, which is celebrating an anniversary of the show. Um, but it's but it's moving the series along. So with the three Doctors, it's celebrating the show's past by having three Doctors working together, mm-hmm. which, funny enough, is referenced in this. Uh, the Day of the Doctor. Uh, you know, there's there's a pres- uh, there's a precedent that three Doctors have been together in the Chroma Files. Yeah. Uh, which is a direct reference to um, the three Doctors and. Nicholas Courtney's ad lib. Um, yeah. Pretty sure that's Chroma. You know that line. Um, <laughs> but what the three doctors does. So it's, it's sort of like celebrating the show. It's got the three doctors together. Um, there's some continuity references in. But it introduces new characters. And it, it, it moves the series along. So the way that that did was uh, to remove the doctor's exile. So he could travel in time and space again. And not just be on Earth. Yeah and then what the what the day of the doctor does is it has three doctors it has these continuity references but it moves the series along so we're finding we're finding thing we're finding few things about the time war but it changes what the doctor did on the last day and does that whole thing to do with gallifrey it, it gives the show a new direction so with all that going on i think having more I think having the past doctors may have been a bit much. We've got some nice touches of the past, so you know we mentioned what happened at the very beginning. It you know it takes us right back to an unearthly child, which is a nice touch. There are some moments woven in the story which hark back to previous stories from the classic series, mainly the new series. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when they're in the black archives, there's there's photographs of previous companions. Yeah, uh, which is nice. We've also got the Zygons, which yeah. uh, are a monster which hadn't been seen since 1975's *Terror of the Zygons*. So it's bringing a classic Doctor, you know, a classic Doctor Who monster, um, back into the show. And, and the Zygons were such an iconic and fantastic creation. It's amazing that they hadn't come back until this, but you know, we finally got them. Yeah. Um so i think i can see where you're coming from and i think I think it would have been quite i think it would have been quite nice if there was maybe some um more direct references to the classic series but i think yeah. but I think you know we've got a really gripping story i think it maybe maybe would have gotten in the way i think what we have um i mean personally speaking is uh, uh, for me I'm happy with it,
0: yeah. I just thought it was interesting that could have went full on Charles Dickens and had he could have been seeing his past, possibly with the Eighth Doctor.
1: Yes, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And then his present self or his near future self and then obviously his far future self.
1: hmm Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So then we're pulled back to the Eleventh Doctor and Clara next. Any... He's opening his letter from Queen Elizabeth. Mm -hmm. And she's appointing him as curator of the Undergallery. Yep. Um, Then he walks off and the picture's being moved. Mm -hmm. we later find out that it gets taken to the Black Archive. Yep. And then we're taken to the Tenth Doctor and Queen Elizabeth. Mm -hmm. Um, It's interesting that... We know the exact point at where this fits in, in his lifetime. You mm-hmm. can place it after the waters of Mars and the end of time.
1: Yes, yes, that's true.
0: He, he said he got married to her in that little scene with the ooze, didn't he?
1: Yes, yes, he did, yeah. yeah. Where he, he locks the door like a car. He locks, he locks the TARDIS yeah. like a car.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Um it's good that this also ties in with the Shakespeare Code. Because in that scene we've got this really old Queen Elizabeth trying to kill him.
1: Uh, yes. Yeah.
0: And he doesn't know why, but he says it'll be fun finding out. And in the Day of the Doctor he promises he promises he'll return, but he never does.
1: Yeah. So obviously that would have annoyed her. So yeah, yeah. that makes sense. That does tie in with the uh, the Shakespeare code, yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> because she just just walks in and she's like it is my mortal enemy the doctor <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah oh, i love the shakespeare code yeah i want gareth roberts to come back and write a doctor who story because i love his stories um what what most recent story has he wrote i think the most recent one was um no he's i was going to say the lodger but i think i'm i'm sure he's co-written a, a doctor who story after that
0: oh, all right because he wrote a few of the Sarah Jane Adventures, didn't
1: he? Yes, he did. Oh, yeah. no, uh, the last episode that Gareth Roberts uh, written, he actually co-written it, it was The Caretaker.
0: The Caretaker? Oh, right, okay. Uh,
1: the uh, Peter Capaldi story where it's in uh, Coal Hill School. Colehill, Hill,
0: yeah, okay.
1: The um,
0: head teacher from Coal Hill that was featured in that kind of little era, mm-hmm. um, he's in class... Oh, right. As well. He's still the head teacher.
1: Right, that makes sense. All right, okay, so that ties in. No, that's quite good. Yeah.
0: I think the scene with the Tenth Doctor in Queen Elizabeth was written quite well, bringing you back to the the feel of the Tenant Era. When he's got that machine that goes ding.
1: (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And he's he's totally wrong about the Zygon. Turns out to be the horse.
1: Yes, yeah, yeah. And I I love the bit when um, he. Goes into his spill of you know, I'm the Doctor, I'm a Time Lord, I'm 900 years old from a you know, a, yeah, I've got the order wrong, but you know what I mean. That you know that that bit, which sort of um, harks back to a similar thing that he does in Voyage of the Damned. Yeah, and then he realises, and um, you're just a rabbit, aren't you? You're not. I'm not <laughs> talking to a disguised icon. And that is the cutest rabbit ever yeah <laughs> I won that rabbit as a pet I just love it, but that that's a that's a funny scene I thought that was good and it, yeah. and David Tennant delivers it really well surely yeah and that that was another thing as well it's given when this was originally... i mean we can watch it now and enjoy it um in general but when it when it was first broadcast because it in some respects it didn't feel like it had been that long since David Tennant had left
0: uh-huh.
1: um uh, but it it was still not, it didn't feel like um, I think they got the t- oh, I don't, um, hang on. I'm not saying my point right. It hadn't been that long since David Tennant left, but it felt like it, uh, enough time had passed in order to, for for it to feel special. It was so, it was great for him to come back. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. I, wonder I,
0: just, if he, I wonder if he came back now if he'd look much older. It's hard to visualise because I see him in other things. Mm -hmm. He doesn't look much older.
1: No, no. And, I mean, because I've got a bit of a confession here. David Tennant's not my favourite. He's my least favourite doctor. (laughs)
0: Least favourite? Yeah. All Right, wow. Of of, of all the doctors?
1: Yes, I think so. I mean, I think one down... I haven't really thought about it in a massive way. I haven't actually got, like, an official list.
0: Um, we, we need. I I want you to make a list.
1: Right. Okay. I'll at some point I'll make a list and then I'll mention it on the podcast and go. Right. I've I've ranked the doctors, and this is what it is. And doctor, I mean, this is the thing. Doctor Who fans were supposed to be really good at making lists when it comes. To, there's been multiple times in the past when I've tried to make a list of my favorite doctors, and I never get it right. I'm never happy with it. But anyway, no. yeah. At some point, I'll sit down and I'll, I'll try and make a, def, a definitive list for me. But, anyway, the reason why David Tennant's my least favourite is nothing to do with him, because he's a great actor and he played the part really well. I just wasn't particularly keen on his interpretation. I wasn't particularly keen on the, his character of the Doctor. I thought he was too arrogant. Okay. Um, but, having said that, though, I still like his period. I, I can still happily watch David Tennant's stories. And... Having him come back in the Day of the Doctor was still a great moment. Yeah, and it was still good and enjoyable and all the rest of it.
0: Yeah, he's obviously really popular. Yeah. I know this does this doesn't speak for a lot of people's views, but a lot of people regard him as um, the Tom Baker of the new era because he's had a he's got a he's left a lasting legacy of um, being um, quite a favourite Doctor.
1: Yes, yeah, um, David Tennant really, ta- you know, th- really, really tapped into something that was immensely popular. So yeah, I, I, I think it's safe to say he's sort of the new who's equivalent of Tom yeah. Baker. I think for Tom Baker will always be identified with the Doctor, and I think David Tennant will be regarded and regarded in the same way.
0: Yeah, we're well, really fortunate because I remember when he regenerated into mm. the into David Tennant's Doctor, thinking, "Who's this guy?". Uh, and maybe this'll be the, um, this'll, (coughs) sorry, Um, I remember thinking maybe the popularity of the show will drop a little bit, because they've got some guy that doesn't seem as interesting, but turns out he was.
1: Yeah, no, because funny enough, uh, well, my reaction was, when that regeneration happened, and I remember watching it, my initial reaction was because I, I didn't know who David Tennant was at that point. I hadn't, I think, because the biggest thing he made on television at that point was Casanova, which mm-hmm. he'd done just before, and that was with Russell T Davis, having written it. I'd never seen it. So this was the first time I saw David Tennant. But there was something about him I went, because my, my initial reaction was, this is going to work. He's going to be good. Uh-huh. So even though he's my least favourite doctor, I still think he's good. I'm going to come in for flack with this. I wish I'd never mentioned it now.
0: See, you're already changing your mind (laughs) You hate him, you love him (laughs) That's why lists just never work
1: Yeah, they're constantly changing
0: (laughs) So there's that scene where The Tenth Doctor is faced off with two Queen Elizabeths Yeah It's not definitively revealed But do you... Have any thoughts on which Elizabeth is the real Elizabeth and
1: which one is the Zygon? Well, in that scene? In that scene. Um, my initial reaction is that the Elizabeth he encounters who's on the ground is the original.
0: Okay. Um, I kind of think of it the other way around because the second Elizabeth comes in uh-huh. and she comes across as more confident
1: and commanding. That's true, but if, if she was the original Elizabeth, then. If she was the original Elizabeth, well, why, 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 why wasn't she there initially? Because uh, keeping in mind, because the doctor is drawn, to that, uh, is drawn to that location because he heard Elizabeth scream because she'd been attacked by a Zygon. Yeah. So when he arrives, he sees a Elizabeth on the ground. I don't know, I mean, I I don't think there's any wrong or right answer, it's just that's my initial interpretation of it.
0: I wonder if there's an official answer, if it's out there. Mm.
1: Mm. Shall we get in contact with Stephen Moffat and see what he says? (laughs)
0: Yeah, there's nothing about this in the novelisation. No, there isn't. Well, thank you for listening this week. We'll continue talking about The Day of the Doctor in next week's podcast, Make sure you don't miss it by heading over to cloisterbell.co.uk and subscribing to either iTunes or SoundCloud. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next week.